Steam locomotives were some of the most powerful machines ever built. They pulled trains that fueled our imagination. They represented vision, collaboration, ingenuity, customer service, and extraordinary human achievement. But in order to get to their destination, it took someone guiding them through a series of switches in order to get to the main line. Just like leaders today, it takes someone directing them down the right path in order to get to their destination. Welcome to Mainline Executive Coaching ACT, which stands for and Cultural Transformation, hosted by Master Certified Intelligent Leadership Executive Coaches, Michael Bailey and Rich Barron. With over 50 years of successful cultural transformation and quantum leadership development between them. Once again, thanks for joining us and enjoy today's show. All right, good afternoon. Welcome, welcome aboard. We are ready to go. And we've got quite a journey for you today. We are Mainline Executive Coaching, ACT. We are Mainline Leaders. That's what we do. I'm here with Rich Barron. I'm Michael Bailey, and we are excited to have you here today. We are going to be talking about this wonderful position called CEO. I think it's a combination of both a huge blessing and opportunity, but man, if it goes wrong, it can be an incredible curse. It can bring a, be a big bring you down kind of experience. Not everybody is up to it. We're going to talk about what are the things that there's the responsibility of what a CEO has, but then there are the duties of a CEO that nobody else can do but him or her who is that person, the CEO. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna take a kind of a big look at that, not go into all the depth of it, but to give you a better idea of what's really on that an individual's uh, shoulders, you might say. So let's start there. When you take a look at it, Rich, when you take a look at it, ultimately, where does the responsibility lie with the success or failure of the business across the board? You know, it's interesting that you put it that way, you know, and I kind of want to back up a little bit. You know, how many times do we hear the name, you know, the, the title CEO? You know, if you work for a company, you always hear about, you know, the CEO and the person that's leading the organization. And they're like a figurehead, you know, a real figurehead for the organization. They're a focal point, if you will. Um, you know, and therein lies... You know, I asked the question, why is it so difficult to see a CEO or talk to a CEO? It's like, you know, it's like the Wizard of Oz getting in to see the wizard and, you know, and you got to have your appointment and you're, you're cleaned up or whatever. I don't know. It's, it's just difficult. But the responsibility for the entire organization. And if you look at the job description, it's actually a very simple job description, it's, but it's not easy. It's everything. It's everything. You know, the future of the company really lies on the CEO's shoulders. And, you know, that includes, you know, operations, marketing, developing leadership teams, you know, especially in a startup, developing all these things. The vision, the finance, the financial integrity of the organization. And there, those are some things we can even talk about later. But, you know, safety, compliance with safety, compliance with any other regulatory um, commission that they, they're involved with. So essentially, all these things fall on the CEO's shoulders. And some of these things cannot be delegated. 
therein lies why it becomes difficult to be a CEO and why only we only see 5% or one in 20 of these CEOs out there that are actually, you know, in the top 5% of what they do. Uh, you know, those are things like cultural uh, development. That's definitely, that falls directly on a CEO's shoulders. Uh, modeling values for, the, for the, the company, the vision, you know, the vision of the organization. Really, you know, the vision is where we're going to go as a company. The values are how we're going to do it. So that's, you know, two different things that have to be separated. But again, those things fall on the shoulders of, of the CEO. You know, the ultimate approval for the, what kind of money gets spent. The delegation, you know, these things can't be delegated. You can't pass these things on. These are things that fall directly on uh, a CEO's shoulders. Culture, for example, is a definite top-down exercise. So, I mean, you've worked, how many CEOs in your coaching career have you worked with, Michael? And what, what do you see? Oh, probably, I'm just thinking, you know, three or four. Three or four. Some were pretty good at it. Some were really, really, really good at it. In fact, only one that I can think of was really outstanding. He was an incredible man, very talented, very driven. At the same time, had some amazing people skills. He was a, he was a real top dog in a lot of ways. He truly, truly was. Other ones, you know, they're kind of, eh, so, okay, so what? And I think as we start looking at the real qualities here of the leader, what their, what their duties really are, Oftentimes, we take a look at responsibilities across the board, all these things that they have to do. And as you're saying, some things can be delegated. And, and knowing how to build that team that you can delegate them, them to uh, is a huge thing because you're still responsible for them. But as you're saying, there's some things that nobody else can do but you, the CEO. Strategic planning is certainly one of those things. And I'd like you folks to think of it this way. Strategic planning in and of itself is a tremendous talent, is in and of itself a tremendous uh skill, essential skill, and the ability to that to do that well is in itself a huge thing. You can have great team leaders. You can have great people at different levels within the company that are really good at strategic thinking. But just think of it this way. This CEO has a great ability to do strategic thinking. That in itself is huge. Now, on the other side of that, as Rich was talking about, is setting the culture. What's the culture like? What do people, when they come here, what do they expect? What can they how are we going to behave? How do we work with each other? How do we work with our clients? How do we work with those vendors that we work with? How is that done? Now, that in itself is a whole other breed. That has to do with relationships to a large extent. It's all about how to create relate, create relationships, retain them, and maintain them in such a way that you keep what? The key thing here, two things probably, two things. Keep the business coming in, and secondly, attract attention talent that wants to come there and work with you because great talent often has its choices of where it wants to go. So you got a couple of those things going on that are that are really huge. Then as you were talking about here, you know, building an executive team. Talk about that for a minute because to me, that is like the key to making a great organization work. You've talked about this before. Great leaders surround themselves with people that are smarter than they are. You, you know, it's, it's interesting. This is something that I've, I've been looking into and actually did a blog about this. You know, as, as a, an individual's power 
increases, whether it's real or perceived, you know, increases more often than not, there becomes the, the, the mindset that because I've got this title and I'm, re- I'm, I'm here at this level, I'm the biggest propeller head in the room. You know, I'm the smartest guy at the, ta- the table, and which really isn't true. And it, what happens is it's called the overconfidence effect. It means that their ability, their perceived personal ability is greater than it really is. And so they start focusing on making decisions and doing things for themselves, you know, without the help or, or direction of other people. Now, in the end, you know, those things can can go right. If you're not listening to those around you, if you're not taking the advice of those around you, you know, you're, you're headed down, uh, you know, one of the biggest pitfalls that any leader can fall into. One of the things that, that we have to take away from this is truly great leaders surround themselves with people who are better than they are who are real experts in, in their areas, you know, and every organization has different areas. We got, you know, you, you've got accounting, you've got marketing, you've got, you know, exec, these different executive roles, you've got operations managers, you've got whoever is going to be to, to is going to make your great team. Now, a truly great leader is going to, is going to take that advice from these people include them in that circle of collaboration and realize that, you know what, you may have the title of CEO and you may be the guy that's there making the the decisions to help run the organization. But in the end, if you're smart enough, you're going to surround yourself with people who are better than you are in in their areas of expertise. And you're going to take that that information and you're going to, you know, run with it. Now, here's the thing is, you know, the senior management team, they can help develop the strategy. You know, investors approve business plans. Uh, The board can approve, you know, or ask the CEO to revise business strategies that he's developing. But in the end, it's really the CEO who sets the direction. But that direction is set with the input of those around him. So what you're saying here part of what it is I'm getting from what you're saying here, Rich, is this, is that that CEO is setting high expectations, high expectations, which if you got talented people and you want to attract talented people, they love high expectations, the great vision, the grand change, the great thing that we're going to do here, high yeah. expectations. So that's part of it. And as a friend of mine used to put it, high expectations and brilliant performance. Yes. The two go hand in hand. You got to have a high expectation, brilliant performance. On the other hand, if you got, you know, great people, I mean, they are brilliant at what it is they do and your expectations are low. You're going to frustrate them. You're going to stymie them. They're going to feel stuck. They feel like you're not listening to them. As you're saying, you're not paying attention. They will get, they will get to a point and say, you know, I've had it. I'm moving on because the expectations are let down so low, set so low, or you kept stymieing them. Not allowing them to say, here's where we're really going, and then allowing that brilliance of their performance and leading their teams to really happen. There's that, I think that's an integral part of any kind of organization that sense of high expectation, brilliance, perform, brilliant performance that you as the CEO has brought in with this talent to let it happen, go get it done, and just bring it about. 
And that, and that so there's this interesting relationship between the CEO and his or her team. That's that's incredible. That in itself, I'm telling you, Rich, that alone, without these other things we're talking about, that in itself is a huge, huge talent, a huge set of skills. A absolutely. Um, those, and I think that's why there are so many that really are CEOs with the title, but they don't truly understand what it is that they're, they they do. You know, the job description is simple. The work is hard. You know, if, if strategy, let's, let's talk about this too. If setting the strategy and vision of the organization should be really the CEO's main duty, the second one, the second most you know, fundamental duty of a CEO is developing the company's culture, their values, and their behavior. You know, culture is a top-down, you know, practice. It comes directly from the CEO. Now, and it's interesting because, you know, we've talked about this a number of times, but 7,000 global leaders in a, in a survey were asked, what is culture? 86% responded and said, culture is a very important part of our organization. But then only 29% of those 7,000 leaders said, yeah, we, I think we understand what culture is. I think we, we, we're working towards something. Only 19% said, yeah, we think we've got a good culture in place. Not one said was was confident they understood what culture really is or if they truly had you know a great culture in place 75 percent of all organizations fail change leadership because they don't have a culture in place that's going to allow them to be agile and and make these changes they need to now regardless of whatever your strategy and vision are, okay you can have the greatest vision in the world. You got man, you got everybody excited about where we're going. But if the culture isn't there, the culture of inclusion, the culture that includes everybody, top to bottom, that who can who can put you know their two cents in, show what skills, talents, and abilities they have uh, to help you know guide the the company towards this vision, then it doesn't matter anyway because it's going to fail. It can't right. you know, eventually, you know, really it's the CEO's responsibility, but they cannot do it alone. He or she can't do that alone. They right. need people around them. And, and you get those first three pieces in place, the, the strategic uh, thinking, the, the strategic plan, right? Yeah. You get that in place. And then the next thing you do is you get the culture right. Let's get this culture so that it really is active, proactive, dynamic, attractive, brings in the right kind of talent. You build your executive team so it's working well. Now, let's see how that works. You get all this stuff in place and it's working now. And you as the CEO are one who is overseeing this, who is watching this. It frees you up now to decide and really look at and make great decisions about how you're going to allocate the finances, the resources of the business. Yes. If you're taking up with still muddling around with the strategic planning, or if you're muddled up in the whole thing about the culture, what the culture is, and all this nonsense is going on that doesn't really bring people together, make them work in ways that are happy and dynamic and productive, 
if your if your executive team is blowing up and fighting with each other and, and, and you know they're they're actually working against each other, sabotaging each other. If you got that kind of a mess, how in the world could you ever get to the point where you're really being able to think clearly about how to allocate your capital and how to allocate your resources to create the success your business requires? So they kind of work together here, and I think that that the orchestration of those talents, those skills those abilities, let's face it, let's just talk about real simple, we're gonna wind up here. Okay. There may be those folks, in all honesty, that they just got it. They just got it. Maybe that's the 5%, maybe there's 2% in there to 3%, but yeah. somehow the other difference between two and 3% are just naturally gifted. They got it somewhere. The other 95, Rich, the other 95 are somehow limping along, lagging along, confused, distressed, overworked, all that kind of stuff, right? That's the stuff that's going on that's keeping them from becoming great leaders in their own right. Great cultures, great you know, executive teams, you know, great decisions. What is it that we can do? What is it they need and how can we help them? Well, let me give you an example of, of that. Some of the greatest CEOs of our time, let's talk about Steve Jobs. You know, he came back and saved Apple. You know, John Scully in 1985 came in and Convince the board, you know, got to get rid of this guy because I can do it better. Well, they listened to him, and what happened? You know, they brought Steve Jobs back in, and, you know, just like John Scully, the rest is history. You know, Steve Jobs really did a phenomenal job, you know, in what he did. But here's a kicker. Even Steve Jobs and guys like Bill Logue and Roger Enrico and, Countless other global CEOs, even at that point in their career, realize that it's about intelligent leadership. It's about having someone help you to that next level. It's about, you know, utilizing the skills and talents of, of a coach, executive coach who understands intelligent leadership and can get them there. These guys were arguably, you know, the rock stars of, of the business world. But even they realized, I need someone to help me get to that, get to that next level. And it's really about, you know, that vulnerability decision to be in humble and understanding the legacy you got to leave. You know, in, in real quick here, I, I got to point something out. Enron, Kenley, okay. CEO of Enron, you know, built it up this multi-billion dollar company. And in the end, they were cooking the books. Everything that he had talked about and the people on his inner circle that were working together really cooked those books to make everybody think we are, we are doing phenomenal. But what happened? How many people lost every penny? They had saved, you know, for retirement or, you know, putting it into, you know, this company as employees, you know, into their pensions, into their 401ks or whatever it was. They thought they were doing great. In reality, there was nothing there. There was nothing. And so as a CEO, you have these guys have the ultimate responsibility, not only to themselves and their their legacy but to every person who is around them in their organization, who works for them, 
you're holding people's career paths in your hand. You're holding your future, their futures in your hand. You know, so it really comes down to, you know, who, who are the guys that are the, are the, the men or women who can really step up? We need these great leaders, Michael. We need these great leaders to step up because, you know, 38% of all executives cite having a thin leadership pipeline as a, as a serious human capital risk. Okay. Who are you guys out there? Who are you people out there that, that want to be those next great leaders? Michael and myself, people like us can help you. I dare you to step up. If you want to be that next person, you want to be that next great leader, come talk to us. Excellent. That's great. Who does he want to give a shout out to here that watching our podcast, downloading? What part of the world do you want to say, hey, thanks? We Let's, you know, United Kingdom, Great Britain. Now, we got we got some good fans there. They're, you know, religiously downloading all of our, our podcasts. And, you know, big salute to you guys. You know, thank you. Thank, you, thank you very much for supporting us. All right. Let's take it home. Let's wrap it up here. Well, once again, we've come to the end, Michael. And we want to hear from you guys. You can go to pot and box slash mainline executive coaching ACT. Leave us a message. You can record it. And if we like what we hear, if you want to hear something on another podcast, we're going to, we're going to answer your question live. If you want to find out more about what we're talking about, mainlineleadersactilec.com. Go there, schedule some time with us, and let's get to know each other. Let's, let's talk about you know, your future. Let's talk about your ability to be those next great leaders we're, we're talking about. And again, thank you for your support. Have a great day. Be safe. Take care. And we'll see you again next time. All the best to you, folks. With all of the issues facing leaders and organizations today, you need executive coaching more than ever. Go to our websites, richbarronexecutivecoaching.com or michaelbailey.com. You can also find us both on LinkedIn. Reach out to us and let's sit down and find out just how bright your future can be with executive coaching. We'd also like to thank all of our supporters in over 60 countries and 600 cities worldwide who have helped to make us one of the top executive coaching podcasts in the world. From Rich Barron and Michael Bailey, this is Mainline Executive Coaching ACT. Thank you and take care.